Wessex LMCs, supporting you and your practice. So welcome to our um, Practice Manager webinar. We thought we'd do a few of these back on the 1st of April, and here we are doing them again. So we've done them frequently, probably every other week now, um, for a good few months, and we're glad they're useful, and we will keep going with them whilst they're useful for you. Um, my name is Louise Green with Director of Education. I'm joined by the management team here um, and um, Carol Cusack isn't able to join us. Um, she's got another webinar to go to. But we've got Nigel Watson giving us an update, but he has to move us off to another meeting later. And then Lisa Harding and Michelle um, Lombardi, our Director of Primary Care, will be um, talking to us um, a little bit later about flu. So just to warn you, as ever, this is being recorded. Because there's a short presentation, we've got some slides up with some information on later. We will record it as a recorded webinar we will also record it as an audio podcast and we'll put some FAQs on afterwards with some links if that is necessary. Um, Nigel's going to talk to us about COVID vaccine to start with and he's just suggested he's not hasn't got a presentation but obviously he knows a lot about this so if you've got any particular questions do pop in pop them in the Q&A box and I will ask those to him and um, put them to him after he's done his little um, preliminary chat. Don't use the chat box please because it's just easier for us to have all the questions in one format and then we can run through the questions um, at the end of, um, of Nigel's presentation. So Nigel if you just want to crack on and then I'll come through the questions. Thank you. So um, just to give you a quick update, the um, COVID vaccination programme is changing literally by the day. So a declaration of interest is that I'm, I chair the primary care operational group for COVID vaccine in Hampshire and the Isle of Wight, and I'm the clinical lead for the whole programme in Hampshire and the Isle of Wight. So um, I'm spending a lot of my time talking about this COVID vaccination. Things have changed recently. So um, you'll know from the news that we've got three vaccines which um, are being put forward for licensing two um, will come hopefully be licensed in the very near future so the Pfizer uh, BioNTech vaccine and then the AstraZeneca or Oxford vaccine so some of the plans to deliver the program are predicated on the um, features of the vaccine so what is uh, likely to happen is that the Pfizer vaccine which is not very mobile so you can't deliver it to a site and then take it to another site, that this is the one that we think will come online first. And this is going to largely go to acute trust to start with to vaccinate their staff. And shortly after, we hope the AstraZeneca vaccine will be coming available. And the AstraZeneca one is the one that will come to the um, to PCNs, primary care, um, to deliver to the housebound, the um, people in care homes and our over 80 population. Then what used to be called the, la the large vaccination centres or mass vaccination centres, the ones that we're establishing, will be able to take deliveries of the Pfizer vaccine so it doesn't need to be moved. So they will then open those up to the health and social care staff and then further down the line the um, other uh, groups uh, will have a choice going through the national booking system or the local booking system to go to either their practice or go to the larger vaccination centres. So um, my view is this is good news for general practice because the Pfizer vaccine is quite difficult. It, it, once you get delivery, you've got to use it within five days. And as I say, it's once it's mixed, you can't move it. And there is some question about even once it's defrosted, whether you can move sites. Whereas the AstraZeneca vaccine um, is, is much more flexible. We still do need the 
um, practices to work in cooperation with each other because logistically we can't possibly set up a delivery system to 8,000 practices to start with. So although the AstraZeneca vaccine is more flexible and it will come in packs of 80 doses or 100 doses, so that's vials, 10 vials, and either eight or 10 doses in a vial. Um, so th that will come. Now, I can't tell you exactly the date it's going to be delivered because obviously it hasn't been licensed yet. And then they've got to get the, the manufacturers to deliver it to the distribution sites and then come out to yourselves. So there's a lot of work going into plan in terms of the logistics, in terms of the ordering, the delivery, um, and the various other consumables that you're going to need in general practice and in the trusts and the acute sites. So um, lots of work going on. Um, the expectation is that um, within uh, the next couple of days and probably on Thursday, the National Enhanced Service, and um, sorry, the NHS Enhanced Service contract will be published and then practices will get a week to be able to sign that and then ready to go sometime in December. And we don't know the date, but we're expecting that practices, stroke PCNs will be given at least 10 days notice to start vaccinating. Um, I'll stop there, uh, Louise, and I'm happy to then start answering questions rather than spend too long talking. Lovely, thank you, Nigel. So the I'm just gonna run through them in an order. Will there be a choice as to which vaccination we as a surgery have and which vaccination the patient, are they allowed to choose, basically? So, good question. Um, ultimately, you will have seen the government has hedged its bet and ordered about 300 million doses, which is way more than our population of, um, we're going to try and, well, we're going to vaccinate people ultimately from 18 and above and have two vaccines. So, they've pre-ordered from a number of different suppliers depending on when they become available. So if the Pfizer vaccine mainly goes to acute trusts and to the larger centres then and we get the AstraZeneca then patients can choose where they get vaccinated but they won't get a choice in each site or at least that's not what we expect to happen. Once more vaccines become available then who knows but I think if, if we get patients to choose which vaccine they, they wish to have, it's going to add a complexity. And what the current evidence is that you'd have to give the second vaccine has got to be the same manufacturer as the first. OK, you may just have kind of clarified this, but I'll, go, I'll carry on with it. If we use the Pfizer vaccine, can the community teams visit houses in the same road once it's made up? So I don't think the Pfizer vaccine will be... Um, used for housebound or the roving people. Okay. Do we know how the licensing process is going and any idea when we're going to be able to start, so when the products are going to be licensed? I, I have no inside knowledge. All I know is that what the two companies, the AstraZeneca and Pfizer-BioNTech, have said so far is that the evidence of efficacy is really high so, you know, between 90 and 95%, which is really good and better than many vaccines. And on the tens of thousands, so I think the AstraZeneca one's done over 20,000 and the Pfizer one over 30,000, there have been very few side effects. The sort of side effects above 2% are a headache and fatigue. There's been no uh, serious side effects reported. So as far as we're aware, um, that will go through the regulators and hopefully, if um, they're satisfied with the safety profiles, they will license it. How soon, we don't know. 
So do you think it's going to be weeks or we just, we just I, don't know? I, I don't think we know, but I think the, the hope is that we might start vaccinating before Christmas, but obviously um, it will be into the new year before we get the volumes of vaccines that we need. Okay. Um, do we know when PHE stroke NHSE will confirm which vaccinations will be reimbursed for the 21-22 flu programme following the release of the JCVI recommendations? Um, I don't I don't know. I speculate that I think it will be fairly soon, but I don't know. Okay. Will the AstraZeneca vaccine be just one dose or two as the Pfizer vaccine is? It's two doses. What's interesting, um, but we'll wait for the licence, that they did um, on some patients, they gave half a dose as the first dose and then a full dose, and that gave higher protection than two full doses. Now, I can't work out scientifically how that's the case, but that's what was said in the media, so we'll wait. But as it is at the moment, all of the vaccines that are coming online, um, apart from the immunoglobulin, are two doses. So the immunoglobulin are a bit like what we would give to pregnant women who got exposed to chickenpox. So we inject them with the immunoglobulin, which then protects them against the virus for a few weeks to six months. So that's the only one that's one dose. As far as we're aware, all the others are still two doses. Okay. Um, can we have a standard response for patients? We are already having calls and emails asking for information on the vaccines. No one seems to believe us that we don't that they that we know as much as they do. So we are working on it. We had some discussions this morning. We're just um, trying to get the wording right so it helps you and doesn't um, raise other questions. So we're, we're still we're still working. I think we're sort of I think team we're sort of ninety percent there, aren't we? Um, just just sort of looking at one or two bits uh, and we'll get that out as soon as we possibly can. I think the idea is we're going to give a message to you to put on your website, put on your front door, but, and then we will frequently update this for you. So hopefully that'll give you the information that you need and stop people ringing you and asking you questions. Um, it's difficult. We, we do know it's difficult. We're trying to do that. So it's, as Nigel said, doesn't raise more questions than, than it's um, answers. We have geared up a local sports club as the central point for our PCN to deliver to the 80, um, under 80s. They're not going to use our practices. Will we still need th this venue then? We're not going to yes. use our practices. Yeah. So, so we still need the venues. So yes, to start with, but as, as practice managers will know better than anyone, there is a process of accrediting the site. So as far as we're aware, all the practice sites have been approved. Now, probably somewhere between 20 and 30% of our practices are uh, going to use a non-NHS site. So there are certain specifications that have got to be um, adhered to with that. And we know there is £20 million nationally for non-NHS sites. So talk to your CCGs. They are going through a process working with the estate people looking at what potentially needs to be uh, an agreement, a lease, whatever, for those sort of sites and what that would cost with the relevant break clauses. So I don't think getting the AstraZeneca changes it in the sense that if that's what comes first, and I'll, I'll put another health warning, which is, you know, this has changed twice this week. And as we get more information, it may change again. But um, to start with, they can't possibly um, deliver to every single practice site, plus all the other places that might be vaccinating. So we still want to go ahead with the centralised site in a PCN geography or PCN population of, of uh, practices working together. And there will be more flexibility 
probably down the line when more vaccine becomes available and we've got the whole thing up and running. Okay, just about the sort of the movement of the vaccines, as the AstraZeneca vaccine is more stable, can we move it to other practices within the PCN after its delivery to the designated site? Yes, we think so. Again, confirmation, um, Michelle and Lisa are going to talk about the flu vaccination and moving it. And if you think about the AstraZeneca one, it has got the same properties as, as um, the annual flu vaccination. Okay. Nigel, why did you mention in your email that we still need to focus our efforts on one site per PCN population initially because of the logistics of delivering the vaccines and technology? Would it not be more like flu vaccine delivery? No, it's a completely different system of delivery. They, they, whereas now you, do, you order it from the manufacturers, they've got a year to plan their deliveries, this will come at speed. So there will be a, an online ordering system, which is up and running, which is completely different. So that's why, to start with, uh, they want you to keep with the sites that you've indicated. OK. Um, the other questions are regarding flu. So I think it might be sensible if we ask, um, move on to the flu bit with Michelle. There's one other thing that's come in, um, Nigel. Have you seen the AccuRx offer in development for patient booking recall at scale and monitoring volumes? And what are your thoughts on that? So we're currently in discussion about what the IT solution to this is, because many of you have quite rightly asked the question, practices will be able to, or the PCNs will be able to vaccinate their own patients plus other patients. So when patients come into the group that are um, eligible to be vaccinated, they will have a choice of where they go, including the large vaccination centres or practices, and you are allowed to vaccinate people who are not on your list. So there is an IT requirement to report all this information and the system suppliers are not compliant at the moment. And they are looking um, to distribute scanners because they also want the barcodes from the vaccines to be scanned. So all of that is being looked at at the moment and we don't know the outcome of that. Now I am aware of the AccuRx publicizing um, their solution, which isn't one of the four nationally approved solutions um, you know, if you look at the COVID uh, oximetry at home, AccuRx have got a really good thing that you can do some reporting with that. They're clearly got a major stake in the market, so it doesn't surprise me, but they're not the only provider. I gather NJOG and others are looking at solutions which will help support practices. So all those things are being looked at. Marvellous. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. That's really helpful. Michelle, I think I'll pass over to you now. Yeah, and as you can probably imagine, we've had quite a large number of queries from practices on the, particularly on the 50 to 64 year old uh, cohort in light of the announcement back end of last week. And unfortunately, and very frustratingly, um, practices were not aware and a number of other organisations weren't aware that that announcement was coming, including public health. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going, we've had as I say, a number of queries. We're going to work through those. We've pulled some slides together so that these will be available, as Louise has said, at, at the end of this and, and on our website, along with the recording. Are you? I think you're asking me these, aren't you, Louise? Do you want to? I am. So I think the first one is just really, um, when can we start vaccinating for 50 to 64-year-olds to qualify for reimbursement? So um, the date that practices need to start vaccinating is from the 1st of December. Please don't do it before then because you won't get paid. If you do that, you won't be able to get reimbursement, even if you have supplies. 
And I know public health are strongly encouraging practices up until this point to continue to vaccinate at risk categories should stocks allow. I think the other thing just to say, we don't have all the answers. We are working with public health to um, get you the get you the answers as quick as possible. And we're just working through all the logistics in light of the um, updated guidance that came out last week. Lovely, thank you. So second one, what vaccines can be used on which populations for the remainder of the flu season? So this is the one, probably the most popular question that we've had asked. And I think some of the information that's been released has not been clear. So hopefully this makes it clear. So for the 50 to 64 year olds, including the at risks within that cohort, you can practice can use the QIVC, the QIVE, and what's now known as QIVR, which is the new flu block, which is the new vaccination. Practices need to be aware that flu block cannot be used for the over 65s. And I think there's been some confusion around this because of what has been listed in the PGD. I'm going to read it. Uh, I'm just going to read what it does say. So it, it talks about people in long stay residential care homes or other long stay care facilities. What that is actually saying is anybody of the 50 to 64 year olds in a long stay residential care home, it does not indicate the over 65s can have it for that, um, can have flu block. Thanks, Michelle. Is there any ATIV or QIVC or QIVE left in the system? The, uh, we've had confirmation. I think the issue that we had was practice were contacting us back end of last week saying we're trying to order supplies. We can't get any. Um, and basically, practices have been ordering, obviously, from the central supply. And most of those supplies have been used and there's very limited stock. So if you if you can get some, that's great. But if not, the flu block is the... Um, is the only vaccine I believe that's available for the under 65s. And when can practices start ordering that flu block? Um, as I've said, there was some confusion because the announcement was made on Friday. However, the suppliers of flu block, which I think is Sanofi, um, were told that they could only start orders um, week commencing from Monday. So you should be able to order from now. Um, are there any limits in the system to how much you can order? Um, I believe so. So I believe that practices can only order um, one order every two weeks. And I think this was in the original letter that came out. Um, it's only just been, it's been updated uh, in the guidance on Friday that practice should only order up to 10% of the practice population. Um, and I believe this is going to be monitored by DHCS. And Dawn's very helpfully included the link there that where you can get all of the information on the ordering levels, because it does vary depending on the vaccine. Brilliant, thank you. Can we vaccinate our staff with the DHSC stock if we have no locally procured stock left? So I think it's a simple answer is yes. Um, you, it would need to be an exceptional circumstance. If somebody was off sick or um, were on, had been on maternity leave when you did your first um, tranche of staff, then yes, you can use it. Okay, who is vaccinating the social care staff? So this is an interesting question. Um, we would ask you to go and have a look in the DARES because there is a definition of the health and social care workers. Um, so health and social care workers, so people working in a care home, people that are in um, voluntary managed hospices uh, are able to access and are eligible to have a flu vaccine at their, at their GP practice. So we would encourage uh, practices to do these um, 
these staff and some um, may have letters from their employers. I know that one area has issued, I think it might be Hampshire, Hampshire County Council have issued uh, um, a letter to those staff. Thank you. If I'm waiting for locally procured order, can I order some DHSC stock? Yes, you can, as long as you have already allocated it to a, a session or to patients, but you can apply for further stock. Lovely. Do we need to further prioritise within the 50 to 64 year old cohort? I don't believe there's any guidance on this as yet. I think the other thing to mention is we're still waiting for the DES specification to be updated to reflect the 50 to 64 year olds. So I'm not aware there's any guidance on that yet. And I don't believe there's any gonna be released. Okay. So can we move and sell spare vaccines to other providers? So other surgeries or pharmacies? Yes, I believe you can. And as it says here, the MHRA relaxed the rules for this flu season. So you can move st uh, stocks around surgeries and pharmacies and get reimbursement for them. Where do we order the flu, um, the flu vaccines from? Sorry, I think this is in relation to needles. So okay. um, the one thing that we need to be aware of that flu block does not come with needles. So therefore, practice are going to need to, as it suggests here, order these. So you can either order these through your usual process or if not, I think most practice will probably order these through the PCSE online. And will the cost of the needles for flu block be reimbursed, Michelle? That's a good question um, and will be very dependent on where you order. So if it's from PCSE online, I, th I think they're from central stock, but we're just going to clarify if you order it from your usual process, which isn't PCSE, um, we're going to clarify whether you can get reimbursed. Okay. And what type of needle is required for flu block? Okay. There's a couple of options and um, just to ensure that we get these correct, we would suggest that you refer to the PGD. When we place this information on the website, we will put that in there. Okay, thank you. And has the PGD for flu block been published yet? Yes, it has. And, um, and as I say, Dawn's nicely put the link in there to where you can access it. Thank you, Dawn. So Dawn and Childcraft, some of you might not know Dawn, she's an absolute wizard with finding out all sorts of things for us. And it's really, really helpful um, in, in the detail for all these sort of processes. So thank you, Dawn, for being on the call. Um, can an HCA give flu block under PSD? So this is a question that we've had raised also this morning um, and we're just trying to seek clarification on this and as soon as we've got it we'll let practices know. Okay do we have to code I think it's 90x4 to be reimbursed? So that's the old read code for I think flu vaccination given. What, we would, what we've suggested here is that, you, that clearly it needs to be coded that you've given it but you need to use the equivalent SNOMED uh, code for payment. Okay, and, and if you want to check the code, where would you get that from? It's actually on our website on in the Flu Hints and Tips book. Brilliant. And is that where we're going to put a lot of this information as well, Michelle? I, I think we're going to work through and update all of our flu information so it has everything in one place. Lovely. Until it changes again, of course. So, um, Final question from this lot. Should patients wait 15 minutes after vaccination? So the only guidance that we're aware of, I think, I don't know if Nigel wants to jump in, the only guidance that we're aware of is the JCVI that was related to drive-throughs, and that did indicate that anybody that's driving should, at a, going to a drive-through, should wait 15 minutes. I don't believe there's any information that suggests if you're accessing it in a practice, um, so we're going to find that out. Yeah, the, the, 
The reason for the 15 minutes is because of syncope, not allergy. They're very unlikely to have an allergic reaction that quickly. So I would have said a bit like, uh, as Michelle's saying, for those that are driving, they should probably wait 15 minutes. Um, they can sit in their car, um, but there's no need for them to wait in the surgery for 15 minutes. There's no, there's no I've not seen any evidence that, that suggests that's necessary. Okay. And syncope is fainting for anybody else who didn't know that until the last couple of months when I've just learned it to. And there's there's also a link there. Thank you, Dawn, for a patient information leaflet for flu blocks. So and that's probably all on the presentation. So thank you, Giselle. If you could just take the stop screen sharing, that would be lovely. And thank you, Giselle, for being behind the scenes today to make sure the technology works well. And we've got a just a few 15 questions for you, Michelle. Some of them I think we may have, we may have answered already, but I'll just rattle through. Um, if we still have under 65 vaccines we've brought in, can we, can we use them and will there be reimbursement for buying it and giving it? I believe, I'm assuming this is for the 50 to 64 year old. So yes. If yes, under 65. It, yeah, if you've bought it, yes. You can give it, claim it and do the PPA process. Okay, there still seems to be nervousness about the 15 minutes. Um, there were a couple of questions in about that um, because these are people that have had the flu vaccine for the first time if they're in the 50 to 64 cohort. Do you want to clarify that any further? I don't think we can at this stage. I think we're going to find some more details. Sorry, Nigel. It's all right. I mean, if you're going to if you're going to get cautious about it, it's not the first dose; it's the second dose. So you're if you're given something, you're not going to react to it the first time you have it. You then produce. Um, a reaction which will happen the second time. So unless there are specifics in the licensing which say you've got to wait for 15 minutes, I would follow what it says in the um, the licensing for it, which should come in the PGD, shouldn't it, Michelle? Doesn't it detail that sort of thing there? I believe so, yeah. Okay. Um, as Sanofi flu block for the 50 to 64 year old cohort was not originally licensed for use in the UK, should we keep some of our centrally sourced sequirus or how do you say fluclovax for use in any risk in any at risk under 65s who present later in the flu season eg should we keep it for pregnant women or just those that are at risk and are slow to respond that's a good question i think when we were looking at this earlier today i think we said that actually flu blocks could be flu block could be used for pregnant women um however can we take that question away i want to be really clear on that i don't want to give any wrong information Thanks, Michelle. Um, and obviously, we will give we will keep updating everybody with information as we know more and more um, as this goes on. Um, it's back to HCA's administering um, flu block, um, Michelle. So the nervousness is this black triangle doesn't isn't normally appropriate for HCA's. So that's just the query as to whether HCA should be giving the flu block. Yeah, I think we're um, interestingly that query came in literally just before um, we came onto the webinar. And Helene, who's our nurse advisor, is now seeking advice. We've had a response from Public Health who've suggested I think we need to go to the medicines management team to get some clarity. Um, as soon as we've got it, we'll share it. Brilliant. So this is just the confirmation. Can we confirm that where the under 65 stock has not been used, which was ordered for the at-risk cohort, that this can be used for the 50 to 64 group and practices will be reimbursed, reimbursed for the vaccine and the item of service? Yes, as long as it's from the 1st of December. Right. Um, just point of information, I ordered mine yesterday, having spoken to Sanofi Direct, only one order per week. That's just point of information. Um, how many flu block vials can be drawn up before being administered? 
obviously this vaccine will slow down the clinics. Good question. I don't know the answer. We will go away and find that. Nigel, have you got any more information on that well, one? You can drive as many as you like, but you could, there's, there's a certain length of time that you've got to use it for. So what you can't do is draw it up today and use it tomorrow. So if you're going to do a clinic, so long as you're not breaching the cold chain, that's fine. Okay. Nervousness about HCAs giving the 50 to 64s flus because the 50 to 64s haven't had it before. Should they be nervous about that? No. Okay. Reassurance. That's good. Are we okay to vaccinate rising 50-year-olds, so 50 by the 31st of March 2021? That's a really good question. What we need is the DES that tells us the age, the dates of birth that you can offer this to. Um, and I'm hoping we'll have that soon. Do you have any, have you heard, Nigel, when we're going to get the DES? Um, the amendment should be coming out uh, this week so that we can do it for the 1st of December. So mm -hmm. I would expect it to come out on Thursday with the other, if we get the DES for COVID vaccination, I'd expect it to come out at the same time. But it's, it's a really good question because, as before, they're usually quite hot on giving you the dates of birth that you can vaccinate from. Okay. The and things, so. okay, thank you. Um, so just comment, there's, there's been an order through PCSE, free of charge, coming next week, blue or orange needles seems to be a little bit more information on the needles. Um, the read code is 90X4 is eligible for flu. Um, 90X4 is flu required, not the giving of it. Do they need this on their notes as well? So actually, the 90X4, the, the SNOMED code begins 185, I believe. It's a really long number. I can't quote it off um, like I could do with the 90X4. Um, but there is, a, there is an equivalent SNOMED code of nine, for 90X4. And I'm looking at as, as Dawn. Have you got that up? Could you pop it? Could you say it or pop it in the chat? Dawn, did you want to come in? Okay, yeah, needs flu um, is 185-903-001. That's to say they need it. Thanks, Dawn. Thank you. Um, so flu block doesn't come in vials, it's in pre-filled syringes, so that's just useful to know. Does flu block come in bulk vials or single dose vials? So do we need to order syringes or just needles? If it's pre-filled pre syringes, you might not need to order more syringes. Okay. Um, and do you know if there's chat about um, asking the 50 to 64 year olds to come in every year for flu? The answer is um, they, they at this point in time will not be asked to come every year. The reason they're doing it this year is because the concern about COVID and hospitalisation. So part of vaccinating the under 65, which I have to say, there's probably less evidence than vaccinating the elderly or the at risk is to try and reduce the burden on the NHS as well as protect people. Because if you get flu and you get COVID on top of it, um, that is not a good thing to happen. Okay. Um, can we order flu block for 10% of the practice population or is it 10% of the 50 to 65 year olds? I believe it's the practice population. I don't think that's changed in the guidance um, in the update that they sent out last Friday. So I believe it's practice population. That's my understanding as well. But. Okay. Right, no more questions. Um, so I think unless anybody has anything else particular to add, oh, 
there's more about the codes. We will clarify about the codes and we'll put out the information that we know, because um, I suspect this conversation will go on for quite a long time. Um, the next time we've got an update is the news webinar on the 3rd of December. And I don't know, Nigel, whether you want to say anything about what's coming up for that one, but obviously it's going to be hot topics. Yeah, I mean, it, it, like before, we'll, we'll try and focus on whatever's um, the hot topic at the time, which might have something to do with COVID as things are developing, but okay. we'll keep it fairly open. Lovely. Sorry, Nigel. Louise, Louise, can I just say a big thank you to all the practice managers for all the work they're doing, recognising that um, it's not just the clinicians who are um, challenged with um, COVID-related work, um, the non-COVID work, the screening, immunisations, management of long-term conditions, and then on top of it, the logistics of delivering the biggest vaccination programme in history. So I'm sure that practice managers have been really stretched um, trying to support their teams and also the, the doctors and nurses and other clinicians um, so just a big thank you to all of you I recognize it's a major feat um, and quite often we get thanks um, going towards hospitals for all they're doing and it doesn't come to general practice and when it does um, too often they miss out the practice managers realize how important you are to our practices and also to the smooth running of the services locally so just a big thank you to you all. Thank you that's much appreciated Nigel um, and um, people have thanked us for what we're doing too so as they say we are all in this together aren't we so yeah. it's um, exciting times but a busy few months coming up I think there is there is I mean I'm I'm always optimistic but I'm really optimistic at the moment I think with what's coming very shortly then hopefully we'll uh, you know we'll manage what's been thrown at us but we'll come out stronger at the end of it um, in terms of general practice and primary care yeah we are very grateful for your positive outlook Nigel it oh, cheers fine. us all up Okay, take care. Yeah, thank, thank you, everybody. Um, so as I say, we'll be um, putting this out as a recorded webinar for you to see so you can see the slides. We'll put them also as a PowerPoint presentation because mm. then you can just pick them up easily. Um, we'll do an audio podcast. And as I said, we will keep um, keep letting you know as soon as information comes in that's helpful for you. We don't want to overload you with emails, but also we know that it's helpful for you to be updated. So thank you very much for, um, for your contributions. Thank you very much for the nice words in the chat. And have a good rest of your day and we'll speak to you again soon. Thank you. Wessex LMC's supporting you and your practice.